I'm Rebecca. And I'm Lindsay. And this is episode six of Ningyo Bingo, a special two-part episode on dolls in the media. Where you keep collecting dolls. But never seem to win the game. Uh, Lindsay and I started this episode earlier this morning on a wonderful, cloudy Memorial Day. Um, And uh, we should have known that just... The beginning of this topic would take an hour for us. We are very chatty ladies. Well, I don't think it, it's not okay. It's not entirely our fault. All right. Look, talking about this stuff requires you to stop now and again and really think about what's going on and explaining what's going into what people are saying and how they're saying it about the BJD hobby. Because our focus right now is we're talking about media and different types of media and how they talk about the BGD hobby and then asking ourselves, but why is it this way when it's this person talking to this person, but why is it different when it's this person talking to this other person? Because media depends on your audience and who is talking in the first place. To to make it a little, uh, elab- to elaborate a little, uh, last episode we talked about people outside the hobby talking about the hobby to people outside of the hobby. Which ended up in very, very generalization. Listen to the whole episode. You'll hear us uh, talk about it for an hour. But for a brief review, if it's been a while since you've listened to that episode. (laughs) Right. Uh, For a brief review, uh, they uh, dehumanized the uh, dolls uh, by taking off wigs, spinning heads, etc. They basically Uh, make them creepier than they have to be. They make it a human interest story showing that the people who collect the dolls have issues and thereby uh, are in need, unlike I think that you would do normally if you're going to, I don't know, a car show? Yeah, because I want to need to talk about how collecting cars fills a deep hole in the soul of this individual who is unhealthily obsessed with polishing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in addition, um, oh, there was one other big thing. Oh, yeah, they always talk about the shock factor of the costs, and all of these generally are created for the some form of entertainment, um, usually short form, though there was one, uh, one that we went over that was a longer... Um, Documentary. documentary that didn't go into Asian dolls jointed... Eh, Asian ball jointed dolls in particular, but... Um, did go over a lot of the human issues that people associate with, apparently, adults collecting dolls. And I think, actually, thinking about it now as we're talking after we started recording again, because the last episode got really, really, really long, um, is that it's interesting to see that it really isn't ball-jointed dolls that brings this out in people, because we had a documentary about doll collecting in a more general broader sense where Asian ball jointed dolls weren't even involved at all in it and yet the dialogue was shockingly similar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's just adults and dolls and then this is what you see. I'm sure if there was a small news segment about the new uh, American Girl shop opening in New York City, New York City, it would not be similar at all. Oh no, because this is a properly child associated thing that has positive ramifications upon the socialization of children i mean american girl doll fits into a different sphere because it is a doll aimed at children directly and but if they were probably talking about the adult collectors of american girl i wonder if the same themes would appear yeah and there is most definitely adult collectors of american girls oh yes. and there is most 
definitely media on uh, adult collectors of Reborns. Um, so there's many, many more uh, sources we could have pulled from. But with everything that we pulled from, it was an hour. So that was good for an episode. Yes. And now. And now for the moment you've been waiting for, the next stage of our discussion. Now we're inside the dollhouse talking to someone also inside the dollhouse, perhaps on a nice little nice little couch with a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about media that was designed by people who are inside the hobby, either as a company or as a consumer of it, talking to other consumers. Oh, yes. Um, so, uh, being that we had a lot of the intro before uh, in episode... Uh, five, you want to get right into it? Why don't we get right into it? Because if you've forgotten our current situation on this rainy day, you can just listen to the previous episode again. I'm sure it'll be just as good, if not better, the second time. Oh, yes. So, so here's the thing. When we're talking about media, the biggest question you always have to ask yourself, who is talking to who and why? And these three questions are going to basically give you a great rubric for understanding the language they're using and why they're talking about things the way they are doing it. Um, a wonderful source for inside-to-inside uh, inside media for the doll hobby is YouTube for uh, video media. Yes, the video YouTube community is fairly active and there's a lot to consume. Uh, in, in our cases, we pri primarily uh, focused on uh, finished edited formats similar to the finished edited formats that we saw in the outside to outside media. We're talking not about hobbyists who are trying to talk to other hobbyists within very specific inter-hobby social interactions. We're talking yes. about media that has been created specifically for a widely distributed consumption of other hobbyists. So we're talking about things that were created with some more greater intent, perhaps, than your common YouTube, like, box opening video, which is itself an interesting thing to talk about. So we're talking about things like Fashion Doll Quarterly. We're talking about Fairyland and the videos that they send out to us. We're talking about things like that that are very intentionally media with a capital M in front of it that is sort of an article a very premeditated intentional just like centralized media presentation of the hobby to hobbyists yeah something highly edited for a high purpose rather than something like a, a candid blog post or a tutorial um so get, talking about the Fairyland, they create what I would almost call like a promotion video. They are promotion um, videos, really. Yes. Uh, well, in uh, in Japan, they don't call them music videos. They call them PVs or promotion videos, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it feels very much like that, even though uh, Fairyland is Korean. Um, and oddly enough, we start to get right at the same as we started last time. They actually also had eerie mood setting music but it was kind of for a different aim even though the in a different context with different images it would have got given you the same knee-jerk uh horror story doll reaction well in this case i would say their music is gentler and what they're trying to evoke isn't the creepy end of the fantastical but a sense of looking into another space that exists that's a little bit fantastical, slightly dreamlike, in a positive way. 
Yeah, and also particularly might be because this one sounded pretty eerie because the one I looked at was for the uh, collaboration between, uh, I'm forgetting that artist's name. Oh, Mandrake Moore? Uh, yes, Mandrake Moore and the uh, the one they did of the spellcaster, the, the witch. Oh, yeah, that's because that goes along with the theme of the doll they were presenting. Exactly. So while in another setting with other images, it would totally give you another message. In this case, they do great care to show you um, the doll in scale settings um, and like interacting with things in very human poses and uh, having the face, you know, facing the camera, being very engaging with the viewer. They're trying to create an image and an atmosphere to the consumer of welcoming you into this interesting, fascinating world, which actually, ultimately, thematically, isn't very different from what we were talking about last episode, where it's like this idea that you're looking into this weird other place where you don't quite understand. But instead of it being an off-putting, look how strange and creepy and unusual this is, it's about come in with us we're creating this world to enjoy it together come come enjoy this narrative that we're creating for this little promotional video which will make you want to uh buy our doll and that's we're also gonna... important to note the yes. other the outsider to outsider has mostly been like news segments things reporting on what's going on to try to explain to people what you're in your local community what you're seeing what is this anyway now we're talking about people who are saying you know what this is, or we're trying to pull you in because we are selling you something. Yes, um, and what you see a lot with this is uh, they show th details on the dolls that are very important for someone that would be purchasing the doll. So uh, in the Fairyland promotional videos, they'll do things like uh, if it's a new type of sculpt, they will do... Uh, shots of how the new pieces come together and apart in an easy way. So like the functionality and the benefits and the features of the doll. And they will do zooming in on the little tiny details of the accessories that go along with the doll, or you would hope they would go along with the doll. Yeah. And I'm there's hoping always, that... um, especially because the, the Fairyland videos will often take a moment to kind of show you They'll first go through and show you the set pieces of the image they had in mind of the doll they created and putting it in situ so you can understand that story. Then they will pull back and then go through, how did we put this image together? Where they're very delicately and very carefully placing them within the setting they created. And then yes. at the end, they'll often come out and with very delicate, carefully choreographed hand movements very respectfully and i think this is a key word here respectfully take pieces apart and show you look how easy it is to take them apart and put them together again which is something that hobbyists want to see and want to understand yeah often often the times when you see people within the hobby handling a doll or something like that they'll often even have gloves on or something of the sort yeah uh, which gives gives even more of the care to it like i'm wearing gloves like a doctor would be if they were taking care of me well this is a um, very common hobby thing yes like and, uh, the oils of your hand will eventually rub degenerate coatings and paints and things like that like, so our bodies are highly acidic <laughs> So wearing yes. white gloves when handling delicate art objects is extremely common. Yes. And um, uh, now what they do when they, they do this zoom out and show you 
the people working on it thing, they kind of give you, the, the people in that place are kind of the surrogate of the viewer playing with the doll. Exactly. So they're like, look at all this cool fun you could have photographing, uh, photographing your doll. Look at how expressive this doll is. Look how easy it is to pose this doll. Wouldn't this be great to have? Um, in addition, um, what, what this shows us is it gives credit to the sculptor of the head of the doll. Yes. It gives credit to the videographer. And it gives credit to, they said the composer, I'm assuming they meant editor, like as a uh, a little flub of a best English choice of words. And what's very important here is that the audience they are catering to, in terms of holding that audience's attention, because this is ultimately what you're always trying to do when you make something, you want somebody to read it, you want someone to watch it. And especially with something that's advertisement-based, you need to get people's attention and then keep it, which isn't any different from the ultimate goal that we were talking about last episode. But the way in which they do it because of the audience they're catering to, that's what changes the tone of it. They're catering to people who are already interested in dolls in general. And they're trying to show the most interesting, intriguing aspects of the object to somebody for whom their priorities and what they find interesting is different than a newscast program trying to explain to people on the street about this hobby and trying to convince them why they have to sit and listen to them for the next 10 minutes. This falls through also to the printed media, which is designed to sell. Uh, not all inside-to-inside media is designed for selling objects, but usually the ones created by the companies are. For example, this one's not exactly created by a company, but I'm sure companies send them articles and images for them to use. Uh, Dolly Dolly is a a book, a magazine book. Uh, I think it might be either monthly or quarterly in Japan. And um, quarterly. Yes. And what you see in here is a lot of pictures of dolls. An additional picture of a doll, maybe for an additional look or angle or uh, view onto the piece. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the cost. Uh, so, like, the name of the piece, the company, and the cost of the item. So, it's a little shorthand, almost advertisement, or, hey, you like this? This is where you can go to look at it. Yeah, and another thing that's going on here is that you're seeing the companies treating the object as an art object. It's not a toy, it's an art object, and the respect that you give to an art object is also there in their handling and the language they use to talk about it. And uh, in Dolly Dolly, and also in uh, Volk's News, which is very similar but very uh, obviously brand-focused, um, Volk's News will also go into the the mechs and things that they make. Um you get the advertisement thing. You get pictures. Folks is very, very, uh, always has multiple, multiple pictures of all the dolls in multiple angles because uh, they're very much about the, uh, since they're just doing their va- brand, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they can use a similar size book but can spend much more time on the single object. Yes. Um, but both of these actually also go into tutorials, which is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the marshmallows in your cereal. It's like, it's like you come for the marshmallows, you come for the tutorials because you hear there's a good one this month, but then you look through the rest of the book and then you see things you want to buy. <laughs> yeah. So they, they add that in as a fun little extra, but even then the tutorials, especially with Volks, it's like, 
start with this standard shirt and then you can tea dye it kind of thing, yeah, which was yeah. one of them. Um, so buy this thing and then work with it. Um, so we see a lot of that. Um, let's see. Uh, and one thing that occurs to me is there is a type of article that sort of stands between outsider to outsider and insider to insider where it's a doll collector from a different part of the hobby talking about the ball jointed doll. Right. And this is often what we see in um, Fashion Doll Quarterly and also in the uh, now uh, extinct Hate Doll. Actually, there's another website that I was just recalled as we're talking called the Fashion Doll Review. Oh. And it's as they subtitle themselves, the one-stop collaborative easing for the eclectic doll collector. And the collector who runs this website, and it's very much a very intentional, like, let me tell you about things website, is originally a fashion doll collector. They focus on that. And then they moved into ball-jointed dolls. And much like Fashion Doll Quarterly, which we will get into in a moment, there's this interesting dialogue where the art object of the doll is already recognized. So when trying to explain what makes the ball-jointed doll different, the language is remarkably similar to someone who is completely inside the hobby talking to someone else inside the hobby as well. Yes, like, here's these accessories that are in one-third scale. These are hand-embroidered. These are made of resin. The hair is acrylic. Like, a lot about talking about how it's made... And, like, um, the materials it's made out of, uh, the artists they'll often go into. They'll talk the about the artists as, as people. Like, in any of the other outsider-to-outsider discussions, there is no, like, they might mention a company and it might be Volks. But that's about the extent of any detail about the object as an art object or as a collectible object. They don't go into it at all. They don't talk about the artistry. They don't talk about the history. They don't talk about anything but the very immediate first reaction to the presence of the object and what they first reacted to and first met when they first went into it. There's no real research that goes into any of this. And it's been very interesting um, over time watching uh, the fashion doll magazines and uh, forms of media um, kind of start with the very, uh, here's a ball jointed doll. That's what that's like. Here's your basic tutorial of like how to open up an eye or restring a doll for basic maintenance. And, um, then we start to get into, uh, coverage of events. Uh, in autumn 2006, we had, uh, a fashion doll quarterly. We had Volks Dolpa comes to New York. Um, where they talk about um, the details of the event, what occurs at the event. Um, they show full-length and up-close pictures of the event dolls, um, and even pictures of the president of Volks. So uh, it kind of goes from this very basic of, oh, we're telling you about this uh, new type of doll, into, okay, now let's dig into the culture behind the stalls and the things you can do with these dolls. Um, and uh, they have in winter 2014, an article called On the Family, which talks about a little bit about the designers of the dolls, the sculptors, uh, it talks about how they're made. Uh, they have pictures in this article about 
from the museum at Tenchi no Sato, the shop. Uh, there's another article, I believe, in the same issue that kind of goes over the, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the place, but it's a traditional Japanese garden that is at Tenchi no Sato. Oh, yeah, it does have a name, doesn't it? I don't recall it at all. Yes. Um, and even, uh, this one's a little earlier article, uh, kind of somewhere in between. This one's summer 2011. Lore of the OOAK, one of a kind. So we're from 2006, we say Volk's Dalpa comes to New York. And uh, already in 2011, we're, we're using the uh, a shorthand OOAK. Which is a um, fairly common shorthand in a lot of hobbies, granted. Yes, but um, in Volk's, it, it, they start to go over the term one-off and what it means. And they, they explore, actually, in this article uh, by Miranda Stoddard, um, which only has two pictures of the one-off that she ended own, ended up owning, talking about the feelings, the excitement, um, getting the right new clothes for it, and basically the physical process of enjoying the doll. And one thing, a theme we're starting to see here, is that with the Outsider to Outsider articles and discussion, the focus has always been on first let's get your attention with the shock factor of the object but then we're going to bypass the hobby itself and the reason for the hobby itself completely and go to the humans involved in it because we aren't really actually interested in explaining what's going on we just went looking at things and found all these people and now we need to talk about the people because that's what's more interesting but I think it's ultimately what those people can relate to because these aren't hobbyists these aren't people who have hobbies like this they can't yes. relate to it so they go straight to the humans and they're trying to make it interesting and in order to make it interesting we disrespect the humans and say that there's something wrong with them yeah as opposed to this where it kind of started out with the well the same basic kind of introduction obviously in separate articles because this is written format but eventually got into uh we're talking about the humans either from first person or other formats but the humanality of the hobby, the sculptors, exactly. um, customizing your doll and how that feels, winning a doll and how that feels, um, experiencing a doll party and how that feels. So a whole other version of going over the human experience. Instead of basically stopping with the first impression of the people you see, there is this focus on the hobby as a whole system and how do these people how what who are the people who make them who are the people who are providing services how are people interacting with the hobby rather than how is this how are people falling like how is this hobby incidentally like part of someone's psychosis yeah, talking about how um people make them there is uh, one blog called my dolly adventures dot com i love this website <laughs> by uh musume desu uh she uh, published this particular article on the 2nd of april 2016 interview with quartos doll i was um, so just as an aside i was really pleased to see this interview and to see that this website in general is going to creators and letting them talk about their process and what they are doing yeah, as opposed to uh, the news articles and things like that where they go to talk to Volks, they often talk about sales or a look at this weird birthing ceremony. Uh, they don't really go and talk about, oh, so 
How many sculptors do you have on your team? And how much experience do these sculptors have? They don't talk about Mr. Shigeta's history and building up this company from basically nothingness. Like, they're talking about people, but they're not talking about people. Right. They don't really talk about the, the, the human parts of the process of creating a doll. It just suddenly is, and then they deal with the weird, what they perceive as weird people that collect them. So things that we see in this interview um they talk about creating the doll what you have to do with the resin uh, a lot about act- effort and time and artistry yes and how many people are required and she got her dad into working with the resin um they took pictures of the workspace that she works in they took pictures of her in progress um sculpts that aren't ready yet and asked about the ones that they're working on uh, they showed one single sculpt, uh, the dragon, in varying resins. Uh, they talked about her personal collection of dolls, how many she has and which ones she has. And that would be only interesting to a collector because there's no images whatsoever of this collection. They just mention the names of it and people automatically know because they know the hobby Um, which dolls that they are talking about. From the very beginning, what is happening is that the hobby itself as an art form is being defined as an art form that requires human effort and passion to create, thus humanizing the objects themselves and lifting them out of a contextless object of like the, an object without any context that simply exists in front of you and we're not sure where it came from and we're not sure what's going to do to you. And instead, it becomes a product of human hands, of a human artisan who created something interesting. And that's where the interest in it is, is that it's an art object made by somebody. Imagine how different the news programs would have been if instead of focusing only on the collector and the perceived strangeness of the collector's actions, they instead had gone to Volks and said, hey, we see that this thing is here and is drawing people to you. What are these things? Where are they from? What is their history? Who is making them? What is drawing people into them? And that would have been just taking that simple step of taking the three extra minutes to actually talk directly to the people who make the thing. Even even like something as simple as what's your most popular standard model? Yeah, like, and then the follow up of why do you think that is, which starts to kind of ask what's popular, why, you know, and things like that. Yeah, instead of seeing the object as something that can be, like, they, there is this very simplistic first reaction view in these articles where they went to them and asked themselves, why do people like this? And instead of actually asking the question and actually talking to people about what do you find enjoyable about it or asking them, like, what what how do you how are these things made and how do people know about them how did you come to know about these things like those kinds of questions are very simple questions instead they went oh i know why they're here i know there's something wrong with them and we're going to show you how fucking creepy this is like it's such laziness because it's not like a high profile pop culture thing it's not high profile enough to take the person's time more than 10 minutes. You can clearly see what went in the lack of effort that goes into these things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In contrast, then we also have people that are 
uh, very far away from companies and from creators and things, creating things to help other um, uh, people in the hobby understand them more. Um, I have a collection of three uh, domestic um, books. Uh, one is Resin Life Snapshots of Asian Ball-Jointed Dolls by Circa Mom from 2008. I have Ball-Jointed Dolls for Beginners from 2011. Uh, Finding the Doll of Your Dreams by Allison B. Rasmussen and edited by Melissa uh, Metheny. And I have the Ball-Jointed Doll BJD Orbrarium. An Angel's Guide to the Universe of Modern Ball-Jointed Dolls. Um, all of these. Uh, oh, actually, the, the, the Beginner's Book and the Angel's Guide, because I'm not going to say Orbrarium that many times because it's hard. <laughs> um, they have tutorials. Um, the Orbrarium has... Well, there you go. Uh, interviews with uh, sculptors. Once again, we have interviews. Uh, I think there was one in there with Mikey, uh, one of the sculptors from Volks. Isn't Mikey the daughter of Shigeta-san? I believe so, yes. Um, there's comics in there, uh, photo stories. So stuff that's usually created on the web for consumption on the web, now in a printed form. Um, and uh, even the simplest of all of these... The, the resin life snapshots of a Asian ball jointed dolls, which is basically the version of a coffee book, which is just image after image, um, which is lots and lots and lots of face shots and lots of pictures of the dolls within their own scaled context, creating a story within the image. Mm -hmm. So like kind of how you would normally play with them. And uh, of particular interest in this, it also shows a little bit of the, the humor of the hobby where the last uh, picture on the inside of the cover in the back of the book is a cat on a scale bed with a doll just kind of sitting there and staring at the camera. And unlike earlier things, this image, the cat image, could be presented creepy. But it's all about the context in which it's being presented. Even the space and where it is in the book, like if they used it for the cover shot... Yeah. Like, you'd be like, oh, look at this weird, goofy thing. It's out of scale. Instead, for the cover shot, they use something that would um, very much uh, resonate with a lot of people in the hobby. Yes. Which is an image of a face that is covered by bubble wrap as if you had just opened it from getting a new doll. So, kind of trying to uh, elicit the feelings that you probably last received when you received a new doll with a bubble wrap all over its face or a face protector opening up your doll. And kind of trying to get you the same excitement as you open up this book to look at images. Instead of presenting sort of this un uncanny image, it's sort of artistically indicating when you first open something, you're not sure what you're going to find. Yes. And, and all of these... Um, all of the images, uh, though the, the ones in the uh, Resin Life are less highly edited uh, in the most part. They're more candid things similar to what you would have uh, originally found on a Den of Angels or mm -hmm. Facebook or things like that. But um, the Ball Jointed Dolls for Beginners, the Orbarium, they have highly edited images kind of showcasing these dolls, high close-ups, very large uh, amount of uh, resolution images kind of showing off these dolls and kind of, you know, 
look at this really cool product. Look at this really cool thing that we have. Even though they're not selling them, mm-hmm, they're trying mm-hmm. to get you to look at the doll and feel excited for looking at it. And, like, this is to other people who are either already familiar with dolls as a hobby or are in the hobby already. But one thing that you have to ask is, is it not innately interesting as an art object to talk about a hobby where people can express themselves? And at any point, any of the exterior viewpoint stuff could have taken this route. They really could have. Nothing stopped them. They made a choice about how they decided to present them. Yeah, it's like it's like them saying, oh, hey, so you like paint pictures of like people that have like disabilities? You must have something wrong in your head. Because you must be fetishizing individuals' disabilities instead of maybe, you know, showing that they're normal people. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That, like we're all normal people, and some of us you, you have must more secretly, challenges in our lives than others. You, you you must secretly have body dysphoria and and uh, want to be different because you're you're looking at or you're owning this piece of artwork. I like there are places where this could be the case, but it's not necessarily like why is that the first thing you think of when something is slightly different than you expect? If there's something wrong with the individual, which yeah. is something more about the greater whole of our universe than anything else, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not that there isn't examples of people that do take things to excess within the hobby, but, you know. It's when that is exclusively what people are talking about. The outlying personalities who may be in a place that's very hard for them and dolls help them through that in a way that may not be healthy for them. When that's exclusively what's being presented as the hobby as a whole. Well, opposed to the inside-to-inside dialogue where there's very clearly... And inside-to-inside, including other people in a related hobby or also within sort of the zone of a subculture themselves. Every All of this dialogue is about, look how cool this is. Look at what you can do with it. Look at the artistry behind it. Look at the sculpting about it. Look at the effort behind it. Uh, going back into videos, um, there is a YouTube channel called Kawaii Patin, K-A-W-A-I-I-P-A-T-E-E-N, um, who has uh, published several uh, videos from uh, Tokyo Dolls Party, Tokyo Doll Show, and things like that. They're actually quite nicely edited. Um, and they're very high in quality of image as well. Um, and... Uh, many of these just show pictures of the dolls. There is no dialogue. It's all about, look at these really cool dolls. Don't you wish you owned them? Uh, they also do interviews with people selling on the floors. Yes, there's episodes exclusively about the dealers. Uh, several dealers, they just show images from them, but other ones, they interview the dealers, and then they start to talk about uh, the ex- aesthetic that the dealer was going for. They talk about the artistic process. Yeah, so, like, I was going for a French look, an antique look. Mm-hmm. I was going for a gothic look. I was trying to mirror the archway of a gothic uh, church. Um, I was trying to make clothes that looked like they would be worn by a Japanese idol group. They, basically, the object, instead of being a dead object with no history becomes a historicized object with a human background and a human face. Yes, and they also talk about, once again, 
crafting methods. Um, I use yes. tea staining in order to get this antique look. I make all these by hand, which is why the cost is a little higher. Oh, and I used to sell more of them, but not as many now. Um, which is, if you're in the hobby, you know that's because of the uh, influx of uh, all the uh, Chinese um, producing people on eBay rather than the, uh, buying it from someone making it by hand. Um, I mean, a lot of those things are made by hand. It's just due to the exchange rate, they are able to undercut the price of other people very steeply. Yes. And um, they talk about... Um, you know, what models they had. There was one where they showed uh, several uh, kitsune masks, um, and they showed the different colors, and one of a, an oni instead, which came in an antique hue, which made it look like it was old and possibly, like, haunted and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, they get very much into, like, this aesthetic sense, the idea that there's people making these, that there's individuals making these, that they had individual thoughts, they're artistically expressing themselves, um, that they're enjoying themselves at the place, rather than the uh, the few pictures that was in one article with actually had collectors frowning while holding their dolls uh, in the outside-to-outside outside media. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's very different goals and very different aims that the creator has even if the dialogue and the information itself may not be always entirely different from what we're hearing in other places because these goals are different and the people's respect for other people is different like that seems to be one of the biggest differences is you see this deep respect for the creators and the collectors in the interior dialogue in Kawhi Patin even when they're interviewing these dealers usually while they're interviewing the dealers they just have pictures of the stuff they never really show the dealer talking which is partially it's one of those things that you ask people do you want to be photographed and a lot of people probably say no but also <laughs> it does something here because it also says if they really wanted to photograph them they could have pressed but they didn't right because what's more important here the important thing is the dialogue explaining the the items and how they're made and the importance of them and the humanity of them and then because the dialogue is important showing the image of the actual item is important not looking at this person and then trying to judge them exactly because the focus is different and the respect for that person is different we're no longer entrapping people in probing questions in the name of trying to make something interesting like, unnecessarily interesting in a way, like, people, because they're not going this extra step of actually looking at the hobby and, like, understanding or trying to understand it on a deeper level, they instead just take the very surface first impression and they don't bother to, like, in the effort to make it interesting, like, we ask the hard-hitting questions by making people uncomfortable and trapping them in situations they don't want to be in. Yeah, I mean, like, even with the uh, gentleman who made... Uh, idol-like outfits, which is a very male gaze um, thing, and one of the images that they showed showed a, a Dolphy Dream and lingerie. Yeah. They didn't go into, oh, well, this is highly sexualized, and you're a guy. Is this odd for you, or anything like that? They didn't go there, because it was just about a guy that was passionate 
making objects to sell to other people that were passionate. Exactly. Now, these are coverage of the um, dolls parties. And we actually, I actually have one very interesting video that came with Komame's Custom Lessons Volume 2 from July 2009. And Kom Komame's Custom Lessons is a Volks-created series. Komame is their, if you're not familiar, Komame is their mascot. He is a black cat. He's very cute. He's got like a bow tie thing. Yeah, it's almost like a little baby Baron. If uh, That'd be a cool doll to own, Baron, with the gloves and all. Uh, all. Oh, that'd be cute. Uh, Baron being the Baron from the cat who, what, yeah. what's the name of it? Yeah, they're the one that was redone re in uh, Ghibli, but you, you guys know that, like, uh, it's they like, might not, Becca. This is a little old, is it? Yes. The, well, the cat returns is the one where he came back. I forget yeah. what the original one was. Baron, but the cat Baron being the lead cat humanoid mm -hmm. cat figure in the Cat Returns. Yes, uh, the and by Ghibli uh, or Ghibli. I don't know how Ghibli. Say that again. It is Ghibli. It's a hard J. Oh, interesting. So Ghibli. Ghibli. <laughs> it sounds like Ghibli. Ghibli. Getting Ghibli with it. Oh, God. <laughs> We've been talking so seriously for so long, I was wondering how long it would take for us to sort of just crack down completely. <laughs> yes, anyway. We haven't had many jokes this episode, I think partly because we're both a little tired and we have a lot of information we're trying to fit into an hour. Yes. The... Uh... Limited Baron was very interesting because he had sculpted hands, a tail, I believe, uh, the unique cat face and head. I think he was sculpted in black resin. Oh, um, the Baron or Komame? The Baron. Uh, he was done in black resin as opposed to the tabby look that is present in the uh, Ghibli, The Cat Returns. Oh, wow. I didn't actually know all this. Yeah. Some people have repainted him, painted over the black to make him appear like that. But a lot of people have not and kept him the same because it did come from a book. So, But regardless, the Komame mascot for Volks is the word that you like. He's sort of the mascot. And this book is sort of like a beginner's like how to do Dolphy book. And there's a video DVD that comes with the book that tells you a few things. Yes, uh, with the first edition of it, you got a DVD, uh, I believe, with the title, The World of Super Dolphy. Yeah. And it goes over a dolpa that occurred um, at the 10th anniversary, essentially, during the year of 10th anniversary celebration, so in 2009. Um, and it very much is supposed to be a vicarious way for you to experience... Adalpa. It kind of alternates between kind of showing what the Dalpa had as far as limiteds, um, bingo, um, displays, uh, one-off models, um, and also just showing very humanizing moments. Um, people standing in a line to kind of put in uh, their votes for a uh, uh, contest. Um, it basically allows you to sort of experience along with the cameraman the everyday process of going through the Dalpa in a way that's very unstructured. Yes, uh, it goes through um, it actually shows one person when they were going through the uh, auctions, well not the auctions the, the lotteries for the one-off models. They show <laughs> a close-up oh, of one person with their hands together in prayer. 
which I thought was very intriguing that they went as far as that. But I think they were trying to relate to the viewer in saying, we, we understand that you get this intense feeling. We understand that this is a thing that is hard on the heart. And you're sitting there and you're like, I really want it, but my chances are so small. Amy Ayase. Oh, God. Somehow we managed to do it again. Every episode, I swear, we find a way to talk about Amy Ayase and make me upset about her all over again does this does this count because we didn't mention her on the first of the well, two-part this, episodes this is the same recording session so i think it definitely counts okay it counts then um they even uh they humanize the dolls um because uh even when they were all sitting and doing the bingo they showed this one picture of two dolls standing on a chair so their heads were about head level as everybody else yeah. so it kind of showed it that in the context of the room which kind of you know shows dolls in play in in like a nice environment and oh my gosh did they take oh so very much uh video of the president they showed him giving speeches they showed him taking um pictures with the customers they showed him asking uh customers about their dolls they showed him taking the fistfuls of candy that we mentioned and handing it into handing it out i mean like you do have to remember that this special collection dvd is a piece of advertisement Yes. And Mr. Shigeta is a very central personality and figure in the doll hobby in Japan. I dare say he's the Walt Disney of Volks. He really is. You know what? I've been wondering for a long time how to, like, relate how exactly his personality is. Because when you, like, experience his personality in person, it's, like, so... This man knows how to run a room. He knows how to keep the attention of every single person there in a very affable, friendly way. He's he's very much a showman. He's ex- yes, absolutely. And, and I know that that history has told that there is many things about um, uh, a certain Walt Disney that may or may not be good. But um, you know, maybe in, in the end, history will sell, say similar things about Shigeta. But for the moment, what we primarily see is him as a showman at these events, showing his love for the customers' dolls, showing his love for the um, the hobby, showing his understanding uh even in just the editing of this and showing the one person in prayer of the anticipation of getting dolls they very much understand their customer base and the emotional investment of the people into these objects that are so customizable which lend themselves to being very invested in them and in this piece of advertisement not only they're trying to show you this is a dalpa don't you want to come basically but they also want to give you an image of the business as a very individual business run by this gentleman and does isn't he really someone you want to support so so this is an example of a, a dalpa covered by inside the hobby for inside the hobby for basically sales purchases sales purposes they want you to vicariously experience it so that you want to go so this is some of the themes that we're seeing in the inside to inside media like real media with a capital m to it it's about talking about the process it's about showing you the people behind the dolls and the hobby itself so you can connect them to the product it's about respecting the customers and the creators and their wishes in terms of their like the presentation of them visually as well as their words and giving them an in proportionally there's a lot more time given to them speaking than it is to the framing devices outside of the editing cuts that they make of their words which is itself a way to control your impression of the individual 
And we also have contextualization of the dolls within their intended visual aesthetic. Yes, so so experiencing the dolls as art within a finished piece rather than like, let's rip the wig off and then view this doll. Um, let's look at this finished piece and admire it as a finished piece. Exactly. Um, so w- there is one kind of more category, which we see very seldomly, um, which is at the inside of the group. So the doll hobby describing itself to the outside of the group or the outside world. And you can argue a little bit that some of the advertisements that we've been talking about, specifically like Fairylands, which you can find on YouTube very easily, could fit into this category. But the intention isn't entirely to an outside group. It's to kind of draw people into the product. But these are really very, very definitively interior hobbyists or companies to people who probably know nothing. Yes. Um, Nothing about what's going on. So one is also another uh, coverage of a Dalpa. There's lots of coverage of the Dalpas because people are very interested in them and going to them. And plus, if you're in Tokyo, you'll see a bunch of people waiting in line for Tokyo Big Site. That's and a pretty big line. It used to be bigger before they made rules. Yeah. And just like the, the uh, outside source said, oh, this is weird. Let's cover it. The inside source said, hey... People are probably curious about this, and we're getting a lot of questions. Why don't we make some media to describe it? Yes. So, so there's, uh, I don't think this channel, I don't know if they make any new content anymore, but there is one called Neta Geo, which was entirely in uh, Japanese, though, with a Western, uh, a Western uh, narrator. Uh, uh, this who, Western narrator being fluent. Yes. Uh, call, and the title of the article was Dalzu Pati 25 Ripoto on the 31st of January 2013. One thing to keep in mind about this particular thing we're talking about, it is primarily in Japanese. Yes. Um, so they, it is primarily in a, a male gaze, I would say, yeah. um, this particular report, um, because it's kind of coming from inside the hobby but it's catering to people that are in kind of a slightly different part of the hobby like the figure collectors and things like that. The tangentially related hobbies of the customizer, the the figure collector, the anime manga fan which often cross over in terms of customer base. Yes and especially more and more as uh, character dolls are more and more like beat you over the head. Hey, here's our franchise. We're going to make a doll of it. Hello, here's a yet another saber. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, in this video, we see him take uh, what we what I presume to be a male uh, videographer, uh, take a lot of video of... Um, Short skirts, long legs. Yes, um, kind of trailing up them, but also kind of looking at them. And there will be a comment now and then like, isn't this one cool? Or this is from this series. So they're kind of relating it to the other outside hobby. The other related hobbies trying to say, like, dude, if you're interested in XYZ, take a look at this thing where there's some of your interests are crossing over. But they also show videos of people browsing the dolls and stuff who are in Lolita and other fashion, uh, primarily females. So it's like these people are of interest because it relates to the um, the general pop culture view of objectifying women as cute for the hobby sense, which is the um, outside source that they're uh, kind of 
creating this for for that hobby group yeah so these are the these are the questions again that we're asking ourselves who is making it who are they making it for and why and everything about their decisions from editing to the style of the videography is completely dependent on the fact that their audience they're aiming towards is tangentially related figure probably male figure collectors who are collecting female figures with a certain sort of motivation in mind and so they're going to this hobby with that in mind they know their audience and know how to get their attention using the same techniques and ideas that would get their attention in this other hobby and then using it with the pre-existing sort of hobby itself to bring their interest into why do you want to watch this and be interested in it which is also why the uh the, most of the images used are of uh Dolphy dreams um, and character dolls uh, rather than the Volk's original characters. Or the resin girls who aren't quite as um, specifically designed to appeal to that market. Because Dolphy dreams are for the same market that we're talking about here. Yes. That is who they are designed for. But a, a lot of the ones, even the resin dolls that they would pick were, are ones that were in cosplay or things like that. Exactly. Or just in general, cool um, aesthetics. It's like, dude, if you like anime and you like this girl in this anime, look at what you can do with these things. Is the basic kind of impact that it has. Yes. Now, also an inside to outside group was a, a sort of little travel log done as a, a comic, uh, which was called Japan Eye or... Japan, Japan love. love, if you translated it. Uh, a Tall Girl's Adventures in Japan by Amy Major Steinberger. Now, Amy Major may or may not be a familiar name to you, but you really should probably know who she is, because she kind of started Den of Angels. Yeah, and um, she creates a lot of content now. She does. She did recently did this really, really, really cute picture of a whole bunch of the... Uh, new owl grass starter pokemon on a branch her her art is really traditionally she comes into the hobby she's an artist by trade a cosplayer by hobby at least at one point and the doll hobby was a big part of her life very early in the hobby and she basically founded the den of angels forum she's no longer associated with it in that role very long long time ago was the reins of that forum handed over to different people i do believe she's still active there i think i've seen her name around a few times Yes. But she is very much a very part of the beginning decimation of information about Volks in particular into the English-speaking hobby. So she is very, very, very well um, affiliated with this. And I, I actually, a long time ago, years ago, I actually sent her an email about creating, oh, I, I, at one point, this entire project that is Nino Bingo, I wanted to make one single, like, book on, oh, um, that's right! I forgot. And and I and I talked to her about publishing, uh, very briefly, and uh, it was very very nice, and she was very polite, and I appreciate it a lot. If you're listening, she if seems you ever like listen, she's thank you. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like she's a really nice lady who's like very kind to people who come up to her and speak to her. Yes, in my in my personal one interaction with her, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um. So we thank her for that. Yes. Um. So, in this book. She is coming from the, the um, community of the dolls, but she's speaking to a community of people. Once again, the anime, manga, Lolita. Like a person who picks up this book probably has some passing knowledge or interest in Japan in general, but they may not know anything specifically about it from the way it's written. 
or, or anything specifically about ball-jointed dolls. Mm-hmm. It's essentially, it's a travelogue, and it talks about Japan and tips about going to Japan and things like that. And, certain, and there's, like, certain cultural notes that are, like, fairly basic ones, like shoes and not, don't bring them inside the house. Like, right. basic stuff. The last chapter is a, essentially the culmination of her journey, and she finally gets to go to Volks, and oh my god, she gets to talk to Shigeta-san. And this was very, very early in any hobbiness, so... Yes. Um, so she talked about her excitement, and she illustrated her excitement. She illustrated herself, like, flubbing through her Japanese because she's so excited to meet Shigeta, who who addressed her personally. She's probably one of the very earliest of the Westerner, like, non-Japanese customers to come and visit. And she was associated with the forum, and she was, uh, I think she was doing some social, um, like, publications and things, too. So Yeah, like, so there was, she had a certain amount of um, vis- visibility, should we say. Yes, she she was known as somebody that would be almost like like a reporter or something like that yeah. coming there. So Shigeta came out in his showman tip fashion and said, "Hi, you're wonderful. Let's go to dinner." Ah, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, which I think my brain would just break, and I I I know my my Japanese has gone very very bad, and I think I would just be back down to. Arigato. <laughs> you, mean, you might not need much more than that. I would probably imagine he'd have someone help if that ever happened and you weren't particularly fluent. Yes, um, but it, she talks about the basics of the dolls, how they work. It, so, so a little bit informative, shows a map of Tenshi no Sato um, and talks about meeting people totally out of the blue there and they talked, started to talk about cosplay, so this outside thing that people might be more familiar with who are picking up this book, and uh, she talks about her happiness of finding something buddy within her community there, expressing, quote, geeks unite. So so there's this happiness and, and uh, pleasure of uh, being socially accepted. And she also kind of has a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness, because she knows that, you know, the dolls can be off-putting at times and things like that. There's one image she drew of herself romping around on a beautiful, it's not in color, but I imagine it to be a green hill in spring with a basket that would normally be like a flower basket collecting flowers, but instead the basket has hands and eyes and feet, which is described on the next page, um, how you can buy them all separately and things like that. But just that little tongue-in-cheek moment, like... oh. Like- I see. It's it's filled with doll pieces that she shall put together into the ultimate beautiful thing. Yeah, so she she understands that, like, she drew it as, like, an over-the-top image, but she drew it as, like, a, a, almost a parody of, I understand this stuff is weird, but it's still kind of cool to get it all together. Yeah. Like, there is a very, like, when talking about the self to the outer audience... In this case, Amy is talking to an American audience in English who will have even less likelihood of having any relationship to knowing what this hobby is. And that sense of self-depreciation is a defensive mechanism. It's called, we're getting this out of the way right now because I know you're thinking it. That your first reaction is like, this is kind of weird. And she's coming in and saying, no, no, no. I know that. 
I'm aware we don't have to have this discussion right now, but I still really enjoy it and look at all the cool things about it and they're really exciting about it anyway. And yes. that's just very much, I think it's very important is that there's an awareness that that is the first reaction. And in all of these things, because of the motivations and who we're talking to, who is going beyond that first reaction? Who has already gone through and went, all right, okay, I'm feeling this way. That's me feeling that. I'm. Let's go beyond that to how the people who make this and the people who consume this feel about it. And that's a step that I think gets missed in the outer tip. Like the outsider who has no investment nor time investment. Like Japanorama at least invested time in going to talk to people and spending time with the company. So in some ways they're, they are above, say, some of the other like similar media presentations of what they're talking about. Except then they just go and ruin it all by have, having head spin and saying that everybody burns all their dolls. Yes, because they fall into the trap anyway in the name of shock slash hum- like keeping the attention of the audience because in the name of entertainment. Yeah, in the name of entertainment. Whereas like it's a disservice to the audience as well as intelligent people to assume that they would not be interested in the sculpting and artistry of an object as much as they would in the creepy horror reaction. Okay, so here we are. Break down. Let's compare outside to outside to inside, uh, inside to inside to inside to outside very briefly. First thing I think we need to talk about is motivations. Yes. Why are they making these Every things? piece of media has a purpose. Uh, the yes. outside to outside, that uh, that purpose is usually entertainment. As such, they, th- they basically put everything as the other, which is different and thereby entertaining and interesting. Inside to inside is primarily informative. Also allows you to vicariously either experience an event or vicariously not in person experience the beauty of a doll. And then finally, we have inside to outside, which kind of briefly goes over the facts and then also kind of t- relates it to the um, relates it to the outside group with similarities. Like, I'm excited for this or I got overly excited because the president was there or you understand this because this is from an anime that you know things like that yeah exactly there's an attempt in the inside to outside in terms of trying to communicate this is finding points of similarity where the outside audience can relate to and using that point of similarity to draw them into the further explanation of what's going on yes they create a bridge so they're trying to they're trying to be enablers they're kind of saying hey here here's the bridge you want to come on over uh, i'll be here i have cookies basically they're in order to get the audience's attention and to entertain them, which is all of these things are really ultimately trying to do is to keep your attention, to keep you reading it because that's how they make money is the inside to outside set. The way I'm going to make you interested in this is by finding ways that you can relate to me and what's going on. So you can have context to understand what's happening. The outside to outside instead, just go to it and say, I'm going to make this interesting by making this a strange and unusual piece that keeps your attention because you're doing the horrified car crash watch fascination. And the inside to inside is basically either I'm selling you something, isn't it awesome? Or 
you want to experience this, I know you want to experience this, come come along with me in this little video or, or article and experience this thing. Let's go together because you're already searching for this information because you've already been intrigued. I don't have to convince you of anything yet. No, no, you're you're, you're ready. I'm, I'm going to hold your hand. We're, we're ready for the journey. You're already over the bridge. Yeah, like you're already curious. You're here because you want to know more about it or that you're interested in something very specifically, or I want to tell you why this should be something you should include in your already existing hobby experience. So there we go. It, it boiled down very simply, right? It's extremely simple when you get down to the basics of it is because there's always this over overhanging question, I think, for a lot of people. How do I explain to the people I care about why this is something I care about? Or uh, in the case of outside the outside, how do I explain to them something that's uh, different and make them care about it? Yeah. And in the end, there's like interior question. Like I think a lot of like some of the questions that are sort of the feeling I got from the panels that we were doing. We had a few people who were like, I'm really interested in getting a doll, but I don't know. My family's not like completely on board with it. Like I'm not sure how to explain it. And I think going being able think about who your audience is and how can you make them relate to you and looking at how inside to outside works is building that bridge of understanding so that you're not just stopped at the other side going with your initial assumptions is what's really important yes so that is media of dolls at least the current media and there's a few things we haven't really mentioned um, one of the things being, like, you notice a lot of the things we're quoting are from around 2008, 2009. Yes, that's exactly when the uh, financial crisis happened in the world. Well, but it was right before when the doll hobby was exploding because it is a luxury hobby, which requires luxury money that you don't, that's not a, net, a need. And especially not for food, the- it's not housing, it's a luxury hobby, which has something of a price tag to it. And at the time, everyone had a little bit of extra money around. And then the economic crash happened in around 2009, 2008, and that severely changed what people's focuses were on everything. Yes, and then you see the drop-off of outside-to-outside media, and also you see the uh, closing of some inside-to-inside uh, inside media, like the um, Hate doll. Uh, I don't remember the year at which it, it got discontinued, but it, it was in largely it was largely in part due to the financial crisis. Um, there was other doll magazines around, and uh, they couldn't they, they couldn't, couldn't keep it up. The mm-hmm. readership, yes. So there was this big shift that we've seen, like a lot of the outside to outside stuff is part of that early 2000s, when also in general, in general consciousness, English speaking consciousness, that is we're talking about, there was the rise of Japan as a cool place to be. Yes. So a lot of people were talking about it at the time, and it was like sort of a hot topic in terms of news items and to begin with, and then it sort of played into that. And then once we hit the economic crisis, that drops off the radar, and as well, the whole Japan is cool got like less central in our pop culture consciousness in a general sense, and it became kind of, everyone already knows this already. Yeah. So most of the media that we have current day is inside to inside because it's already existing hobbyists trying to get other hobbyists. It's people trying to sell to the existing hobby sort of situation, which is a growing group of people as the economy is recovering. Yes. I think there's probably more people who are less specialized in their knowledge getting into the hobby these days than there used to be, to be honest. So if you have some really cool 
uh, articles that we have not seen or have not mentioned and you want to share it with the uh, rest of our Ningyo Bingo uh, viewers, you can go ahead and uh, drop us a line at Ningyo Bingo, N-I-N-G-Y-O, B-I-N-G-O dot blogspot.com. You can also send us an email to the to Nino Bingo, spelled exactly the same, at gmail.com. Or leave us a message on our Facebook group as well. Um, so, as always, as you're collecting all these things and all the wonderful new books that you're now interested in uh, to add to your doll collection, remember to keep having fun, but keep a budget. <laughs> <laughs>